Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Let's, uh, let's turn now to 1 Samuel chapter 22 to God's eternal and inerrant word. And let's stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. The prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree on the height with his spear in his hand. And all his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants who stood around him, Hear now, O Benjamites, will the son of Jesse also give all of you fields and vineyards? Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? For all of you have conspired against me so that there is no one who discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you who is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent someone to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's household, the priests who were in Nob, And all of them came to the king. Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. And he he answered, here I am, my lord. Saul then said to him, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? And that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him so that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush as it is this day. And Ahimelech answered the king and said, and who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Even the king's son-in-law, who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house. Did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father, for your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. But the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, turn around. And put the priests of the Lord to death because their hand also was with David and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priests and he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. 
And he struck Nob, the city of the priests, with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and infants, also oxen, donkeys, and sheep he struck with the edge of the sword. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. Stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, for you are safe with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. All right, so a little bit of review. David is in the midst of his wilderness wandering, and Saul is on the hunt, and so David turns to, um, turns to uh, Gentiles in order to be safe. So where does David go first? Where does David go first, and what is he doing there? He goes to Moab. Now, what's David's connection to Moab? What's David's connection to Moab? His grandmother's grandmother was a a Moabitess, right? What's her name? Ruth. Yeah. Um, There's Perez, then Hezron, then Ram, then Aminadab, Nation, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, David. So Boaz is married to Ruth, and Ruth is a Moabitess. Right, um, <clears throat> and so he takes his parents there so that his parents will be safe because he knows with Saul, it's likely that uh, he's his his extended family is not safe. Now that plays out when we see how he takes care of the um, the descendants of Ahimelech. Um, David is. <clears throat> David is showing a godly concern for his parents. Right, he makes sure they're protected. He uh, does not leave them to fend for themselves. He, um, he, he takes care of them. And notice what he says. <clears throat> notice what he says. He says, please let my father and my mother come and stay with me. And then what does he say? You'd probably have to be looking at your Bibles to tell me what he says. <laughs> Until what? Until I know what God will do for me. Right? I mean, is that the way you you would be thinking in a situation like David's? Until I know what God will do for me. Or would it be more like, you know, keep my my parents safe until I know whether Saul's going to get me. David's not thinking that way. David is a faithful man. He's thinking about God. He's He's laying this out. And he knows that God... Is is sovereign. God is going to um, cause these things to fall out according to His will, and so that's His mindset. Until I know what God will do for me, till I know if I'm king, till I know whether Saul is defeated, till I know no what God will do to me. He says, um, not what Saul will do to me. David parent, David's parents stay in Moab all the time that David was in the stronghold. Um, <clears throat> Mizpah, that, um, 
that name here is uh, means a watchtower or a mountain height, and so um, <clears throat> that that's probably the stronghold that we're talking about. As long as he was in Moab, his parents were in Moab. What happens to them from there? Um, we don't know from this passage. Um, he goes, then Gad comes along. Gad is a prophet. What is it the, what is it the, um, what are prophets called to do? Prophesy. There you go. <laughs> That's the answer I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. No, what, uh, I mean, yes, of course. Um, what sort of prophecy is he giving here? It's a warning, right? It's not, it's not, um, he, he is exhorting David to do something. It says, don't stay, depart, go to the land of Judah. What's hard about that directive? That's where Saul is. That's back home, right? That's not in Moab. That's not among the Philistines. It's go, go back home. But isn't that, the, isn't that what the prophets say all the time? They say, don't go to Egypt. Go home and trust God. Right? Don't go down to Egypt. Don't seek for your welfare from the hand of the evil. Trust God. So Gad's doing that. Now Gad plays a, a prominent role in the rest of David's um, ministry. He, um, he, he's with David uh, through, through his time. He, and, and is a prophet in his household. And so this is the, the first of the prophecies, the first of the, the works of the prophet that we see here. But he's, he's essentially telling him, trust God, don't go down to Egypt, um, don't depart. Why would he say that to him? I mean, are there any, are there, what, I mean, other than, other than it being trust the Lord, what else could he be saying to David by telling him that? Yeah, don't cut yourself off from the Lord's people. Is it, are the people going to trust you if you've departed when things were difficult, right? Um, don't, don't depart. Um, God, God hasn't told you to go down to Egypt. God has told you to, um, to trust him and to stay here. And he's already been anointed king, right? And so the people, the people are going to want to trust him. And uh, for him to flee... Um, is, uh, is perhaps militating against that trust. And then we turn to Saul. <clears throat> Saul hears all of the scheming. And uh, where is Saul right now? Where's Saul? Gibeah. What does that mean to Saul? Saul of Gibeah. That's his hometown. It's in Benjamin. It's in the tribe of Benjamin. So he's back home, and he's got probably his closest people around him. Now, what has he been doing to the closest around him? He's been sort of, uh, he's shown favorable treatment to his own tribe, right? He's been giving out lands. He's been giving out positions to Benjamites, Right, he's been he, those who are closest to him, those who would trust him implicitly, maybe because of his tribal association. Um, he's been giving money and uh, fields to. Right here now, O Benjamites, he said, "Will the son of Jesse also give to you, give to all of you fields and vineyards?" Right, he's been winning people's loyalty by patting their their pocketbooks. 
Will he make you all commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? So he's also given them positions in the government, right? Hand, handouts to keep them loyal to him. For all have conspired against me so that there is no one who discloses to me when my son, that's Jonathan, makes a covenant with the son of Jesse and there's none of you who is sorry for me or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. And so <clears throat> those servants of Saul are sitting there um, silent. And then who speaks up? I, every time I read Doeg the Edomite, I think of like evil music. It's like the scene changes and the music changes. And then we get Doeg the Edomite. Right? He's a, he's a wicked man. This is a wicked man. Who are the Edomites? Who are the Edomites? <clears throat> The descendants of Esau. What was the relationship of Israel to be to the Edomites? They, they were always in conflict with each other, but God told them not to be. Right? And um, <clears throat> so there, there's all of that. He, he's a descendant of Saul. The Edomites have, have afflicted the people of Israel, right? They've asked to pass through their lands and been denied. There are all those, all those incidents between Israel. And now here's an Edomite who is, is going to slay the people, the, uh, the priests of the Lord. So Saul's at Gibeah. He's home. He's among the tribe of Benjamin. He's among his friends. Um, Saul has learned how to manipulate as a as an evil uh, king might do. Um, no one is talking. This is they, they, it's tribal patriotism that he's appealing to. He's trying to appeal to patriots, right? Be faithful to our tribe. What's wrong about that? Well, it's not being faithful to the Lord, right? Faithfulness to the Lord is more important than faithfulness to the tribe. Doeg the Edomite steps forward. He talks about what the priests, um, priest Ahimelech had done to assist David. He gave him food and weapon. He also says that, that David inquired of him. We don't have any record of that inquiry, but certainly we, I mean, it could have happened, but David um, did get food, did get that weapon. Um, and remember, what did David told Ahimelech? What did David told Ahimelech about why he came to Nob on a work from Saul, a mission from Saul. That's why his men stayed behind, and he had, he came for provisions for the men because he was on a mission from the, from Saul. Was that true? No, that was not true. Um, that was not true. Um, Saul. Um, Saul then uh, says, says to um, Doeg, um, or actually the king sent someone, he doesn't send Doeg, but he sent someone to get Ahimelech. So Ahimelech comes to, to Saul, and <clears throat> Saul asks him, why have you conspired against me? You gave a sword and bread and inquired for the Lord to my enemy. So that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush as it is this day. And then what does Ahimelech say? I love Ahimelech's answer here. 
right? He essentially says, look, this isn't, this isn't the first time that I've inquired of the Lord for David. I've been praying for him. He, he's, he's, isn't he the commander of your, um, where is it? Commander of the king over the guard. He's, he's your captain over your guard. Right? He, he's honored in your own house. Why in the world would I not be inquiring of the Lord for him? And then he says, did I, ju- um, did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me. Do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father. For your servant knows nothing at all of this whole affair. He says, look, I've only done what, what um, everything appears to be directed toward. And... Um, Clearly, you're angry, uh, and and I'm, you know, I don't know anything about this whole affair. And King Saul's anger then turns on. Right, he go, he lets loose. You, you're going to die, Ahimelech. Who is who is David? Who has Saul said this to as well? Who Saul said you're surely going to die? He said it to his own son. Right? I mean, what had Jonathan done? He dipped his staff in honey and ate. Right? When the king had said, don't, you know, don't revive yourselves. We're going we're gonna to fast this one out, even though the battle was hard. Right? And so he says, surely you will die. And now to him elect the priest, he says, surely you will die. You and all your father's household. Um. <clears throat> And then an extraordinary thing happens, and which shows that to put your hand against the, the priests of the Lord is a significant evil. Not even the members of Saul's own household would do it. He turns to these men whose pockets he had padded, who he had put in government positions, who he had given fields and vineyards to, and none of them will lay their hands and obey the king. One that shows you that Saul's Saul's influence is diminishing. Even among the closest to him, he has no authority. He only has authority over an Edomite now. And an Edomite is going to do his bidding. Right? So all those guys won't lay their hands against the Lord's anointed, um, i.e. the priests. And, <clears throat> and Doeg says, you know, I'll do it. And the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priests. And he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. 85 priests. 85 servants of the Lord put to death. But that's not all. What else does he do? Men, women, children, infants, oxen, donkey, sheep. The whole city of Nob is destroyed. And, and that was a priestly city. Right? <clears throat> so what, what does this resemble? What does this, this destruction of an entire city resemble? We've seen any destructions of entire cities in the history of Israel up to this time? It's what the children of Israel did in, 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 in taking the land of Canaan. 
by the command of God. Right? The command of God was go in and devote these cities to destruction. Right? Devote them to the ban, it's called. Um, <clears throat> you think of, you think of uh, Jericho. Right? They, they go in and, and everything is to be destroyed, but somebody doesn't destroy everything. Right? And um, Achan takes, takes stuff out and he has broken the rule that the city is to be devoted to the ban. Everything is to be killed, everything to be destroyed. That is a command that God gave to the children of Israel in taking the land of Canaan. Now the king of Israel is devoting a city in Israel to the ban. I mean, if you don't feel Saul's wickedness in this, then you're never going to feel the wickedness of Saul. He's now devoting the cities of Israel to the ban. Right? He's doing what they were to do to the, to the pagan nations that were defiling the land. He's now doing that not just to a city in Israel, but a priestly city in Israel. A holy city in Israel. Those who had been dedicated to the Lord, set apart for the work of ministry to, to, to uh, intercede between God and man. And, <clears throat> and now Saul has devoted that city uh, to the ban, so to speak. At least through Doeg, that's what's happened. Now, what's, what's especially extraordinary about that? Think of Saul. What had Saul been commanded to do? Saul had been told to kill all the Amalekites, right? Saul had been told to deal with the Amalekites, and what did he refuse to do? He refused to kill the king, right? And then Samuel had to come along and kill the king, right? And he hacked him in pieces. Um, <clears throat> so, so God... I mean, again, we see, we see the wickedness of Saul on display. He's refused to, to do what God has commanded him to do in destroying. And now he's doing what God would forbid, just giving himself over to it. Um, so, they, so they devoted Nob to the ban. And um, what Saul was unwilling to do formerly when he had God's command, he has now done to a city in Judah, to priests, they, um, <clears throat> to priests who serve God. If we go, let, let me turn to Deuteronomy 13, where this is laid out, because I want to remind you of something that it says here, Deuteronomy 13, 13. Uh, wait, is that right? 20. Yeah. <clears throat> it's Deuteronomy thirteen twelve. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, let us go and serve other gods whom you have not known, then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true in the matter established that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the sword, edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword. Then you shall gather all its booty into the middle of its open square and burn the city and all its booty with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be a ruin forever. It shall never be rebuilt." 
Nothing from that which is put under the ban shall cling to your hand, in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he has sworn to your fathers. If you will listen to the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all his commandments which I am commanding you today and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. So notice that it says, if you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men has come, have come in here and they've seduced the people to commit idolatry and go against the Lord, then that city is to be devoted to the ban. So there is a time in which cities in Israel could be devoted to the ban. But that's when they've turned from God. Right? Now, <clears throat> now is not that time. Ahimelech, from all appearances, is serving the Lord. And Saul, has, um, Saul instead has delighted in the destruction of this whole town. So this is the depth of Saul's apostasy. In a sense... <clears throat> In a sense, I think this is the proof that Saul has committed the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He is not merely backsliding. He is not merely caught up in a sin for which he needs to repent. But he has, in a wholesale sense, turned against the Lord and is now afflicting the church. Right? He's afflicting the people of Israel. This is what, this is what apostasy really is. It's when someone has professed and then they... They begin, they turn against the church, not, not in negligence, like ignoring it, but actually afflicting it, actually coming to hate it, actually doing everything they can to, to fight against it. And so, <clears throat> in some sense, we could say that Saul has proven himself to, to have committed this sin or that he is an antichrist. It is not too strong to say that Saul is an antichrist. He has set himself up against God and against his people. Um, Kyle, in his commentary, says um, uh, he avenged a supposed conspiracy against his own person as treason against Jehovah, the, the God King. So a supposed conspiracy against himself he treated as treason against God. Right, as some sort of excuse to, to um, cause this destruction. Now, Abiathar escapes. And that brings up another very interesting aspect to this passage. Abiathar escapes. And <clears throat> he is the last of whose household? No. Eli's. He's the last of Eli's household. Now, what had been prophesied against Eli's household? What had been prophesied? Turn to 1 Samuel 2, 31. First Samuel 2, 31. Behold, the days are coming... When I will break your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Right? A prophecy of the, the destruction of the sons, the descendants of Eli. So <clears throat> that was 40 or 50 years earlier. Right? And um, <clears throat> what's extraordinary about this is that this prophecy 
of Samuel to Eli's household is fulfilled through the wickedness of Saul. Right? The prophecy of Samuel, God's man, is fulfilled through wicked Saul. Right? And this is total wickedness. It's, it's awful. It's Doag the Edomite. It's, an, it's a descendant of Esau going crazy against the, 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 the priests of the Lord. And yet, this is God's way of fulfilling Samuel's word, of fulfilling this prophecy. So even in opposing God's kingdom, God's enemies only bring to pass God's will. Think about that. Even in opposing God's kingdom, God's enemies only bring to pass God's will. Is that reassuring to you? Is that helpful to you? What does that mean? I mean, what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? How does that encourage you? Talk. Tell me. Victory. Victory belongs to the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not as if, you know, God has made himself vulnerable. Right? And he's waiting to see how things play out. He's ordained even the wickedness of Saul in order to afflict Eli's household and bring about the prophecy that he gave through Samuel the prophet. (laughs) Stupendous. How else is that encouraging? You don't have to be fearful. It's all in God's hands. That's right. Can God's enemies ever get an edge? Can they ever gain an edge? Can Satan gain an edge? No. God's enemies, not even Satan, can gain an edge on God. Right? Because God is laid out and God is ordained and God is prophesied and, and laid this out. Uh, so Abiathar is the last of Eli's household. That prophecy has come true. And we're encouraged by it because of what it means about, the, about our Lord's sovereignty. Abiathar becomes important to David, doesn't he? Yeah. That's right. Right, the consequence, yeah, we could talk about that. The consequences of Eli's son's disobedience, his unfaithfulness as a father. Just look at the ramifications down the road. And yet, and yet it glorifies God. Right, the destruction and the fulfillment of this prophecy. This is a rebuke against Eli that was promised. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, Biathar becomes important to David, um, yet later becomes the one who supports Adonijah against David. And so, um, <clears throat> very interesting. I mean, he serves as a priest in, the, in, in Israel, and yet um, then later joins up with Adonijah. Now, then finally we get to David's lament. And given the fact that that David, we have to remember that David had lied, right? He had lied about this mission from Saul. And, and, yet, and, and so we see now his lament. 
He says, I've brought this upon your household. Right? Now think of all the layers here. We got Eli's pro- the prophecy to Eli being fulfilled, right? We got Saul being apostate and, and working against the Lord. Now we have David who's been, who, who, who lied, taking responsibility for all these deaths. So they're like, they're, you know, three or four layers here of what's happening stacked on top of one another, none of which surprised the Lord. But what does David say? What does David say? <clears throat> they're, they're, First of all, he takes, he grieves over this uh, slaughter. I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. And that's a true statement, and yet the Lord did it, right, as a fulfillment of prophecy. And yet Doeg the Edomite did it, and yet Saul did it. we can't be simplistic about the way we think about these things, but here is David taking responsibility for his actions. And it's encouraging, right? He he fesses up to his, his role in it. I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. And so then what does he say? This is what's encouraging to me on, on the end of this. Now, Abiathar may not be wanting to hear this. He says, he says to Abiathar, stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, for you are safe with me. What's strange about that? Yeah, I mean, Saul's like all out for David, and the last thing Abiathar might want to do is be with David. But what does it show? What does it show again? It shows faith. David is not afraid. David knows that God, God will do, what does he say before? I know what God will do for me, right? Let me, I'm going to find out what God will do for me. So stay with me, you'll be safe. So this is a statement of, of faith. And, um, you know, God, God always saves a remnant of his children. God always saves a remnant. Um, Abiathar's, um, <clears throat> well, I mean, think of the, the passage that came to mind was, was Jesus and, and Herod, right? Jesus escapes from Herod's hand, and, and Herod is after all the children in Israel who are two years and younger, Right? And um, Jesus is uh, brought out of that safely. Here's, here's David saying, God will bring us through this safely. So it's faithfulness. Um, there will always be a church on earth to worship God according to his will. There will always be a church. Always be those who God is protecting and keeping safe. And <clears throat> what, wonderful, um, what wonderful fathering to stay with me. Don't be afraid. Um, we're in this together. <laughs> you know, for you are safe with me. Those are words you should say to your children, right? When they're afraid of the most absurd things, right? Or real things that they're afraid of. When they're struggling with, with things that they can't quite understand. Well, just stay with me. Don't be afraid. 
we'll trust God. Um, you're safe. And uh, that's not a statement about your ability to protect them. It's, about, it's a statement about your faith in God, that God will, will protect us one way or the other. He will protect us. So those were the two, those were the, the biggest takeaways for me in this passage and things that you should set your mind on are the, the statement that even in opposing God's kingdom, God's enemies only bring to pass God's will. Right? Don't despair. Don't despair. We may not understand why it seems like the, the good guys are being afflicted. But God knows. Right? And God will bring about his will to pass. And then, and then this, <clears throat> this uh, statement of David about protecting Abiathar, doing now what he can to protect this household um, that he feels responsible for having brought about the death of. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the fact that in, in Christ we are hidden in you. Father, we thank you that, that you <clears throat> are sovereign over the affairs of men. That all things fall out according to your providential uh, care. And that it all ends to the praising of your glory. Father, we rest in this. We take comfort in this because there are times when all around us seems like chaos. All around us seems just to be a weight and not lightness, Lord. And, and so <clears throat> we, we trust. We trust in you. And we learn from this passage that we should. Father, we pray that uh, these thoughts would be on our mind this week as we face various trials as we again see uh, various tragedies and death in this world. Father, we pray that you would, uh, you would cause us to think rightly and faithfully in the midst of all of that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.